Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. We are in week two of a series of messages we started last week called Shape of Your Heart. And we're gathering around this topic of relationships because as we learned last week, our relationships don't work right out of the box, do they? They take some time. We have to build them. And so that's what we're doing in this series is we're learning some of the building blocks to great relationships. And I know it's like Valentine's Day weekend. And so maybe a lot of us were thinking about the romantic relationships in our lives or lack thereof, maybe. But um, we're not just talking about romantic relationships. We're talking about all relationships. We're talking about if you have dysfunction with your dad how you can make that better. If you have a friendship that's frustrated, how you can fix that. If if you have uh, in-law relationship that you just want to improve, all of these things, we're gonna look to scripture and see what God's word says about it. And one thing I'm hoping that you see in this series is that scripture has a lot to say about our relationships. In fact, I would tell you the Bible is primarily a relationship book. Jesus said everything that is written in it hangs on these two commandments, that your relationship with God is right. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and your relationship with others is right, that you loved your neighbor as yourself. So the Bible has a lot to say about our relationships. That's why what we're doing is trying to make it as practical as possible by giving you one key that you can apply to your relationships every week. And The key we're gonna talk about today is gratitude. Say gratitude for me. Gratitude. Gratitude. I would tell you it's impossible to build a great relationship if gratitude isn't present. And so where we're gonna look today is at a scripture found in the New Testament, Luke chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, no problem. We're gonna put the words on the screen so we can all follow along together. And where I'm gonna begin reading is Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And it says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, This is one of my favorite scriptures on the subject of gratitude. There's so much in here that's applicable to our lives, but what I'm gonna do for our message today is really try and boil down the essentials of it into three things that we can take and apply to all of our relationships. And so if if you're taking notes today, I'm calling this message, bless your heart, bless your heart. Isn't that what we say when you're really not grateful for something? It's like, it's like, oh, That was nice, but you're stupid. Bless your heart. (laughs) 
Well, uh, that's going to make sense as we get into this, but uh, I would ask that you would bow your head. I want to pray and ask for God's help. I don't know about you. I always need God's help when I get up here, and I want to ask that God would take this message and help you apply it. So let's bow our heads. God, we thank you so much for your word and for your truth. We thank you, Lord, that every time we open up your word, you speak to us, and that's why we're here, God. We didn't come for my opinion or my ideas. We came because we wanna hear from you. We wanna hear what you have to say about our relationships. So God, I'm asking that you would speak, that you would make your word clear, that you would personalize it and individualize it to each person here, God. And I know you will. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. I'm always curious uh, when I'm preaching because there's new people coming every week and I don't know all of you by name, but how, how many of you have children in here? How many have children? Bless your heart. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's parenting. It, it is crazy, right? I mean, they say, scripture says that children are a blessing. We looked at that a few weeks ago, Psalm 127. Children are a blessing, but man, it can feel like a burden sometimes. Would you agree? Those of you who have kids, it, it can feel like a burden. Because I mean, just you insert a child into the equation, everything changes. Like, when you're married, before you have kids, you can just go out at the drop of a hat. You don't even need to think about it. It's just like, you wanna go out? Yeah, let's go out, you just go out. But once you have a kid, it is like planning a date is like planning a military invasion. I mean, it really, like there's strategy involved that you have to look at the resources that are available to you. There's coordinating of efforts. There's, you know, there's bringing people into the pit. Like just getting a babysitter, you're thinking, all right, who can we call to watch our offspring at this point? And then, not just that, after you pay the babysitter, it's like, all right, where can we afford to eat out? Likely McDonald's. After you pay the babysitter, you can eat at McDonald's. Your babysitter can have filet mignon, but you are going to be eating at McDonald's because that's all you can afford at that point. And, you know, it's so many things involved. I mean, the whole reason you want to eat out without your kids is because, like, when you have kids and you eat out, it's chaos waiting to happen. Like, like when you can eat out without your kids, like, you don't have to deal with you know, maybe uh, fighting and biting and screaming and throwing food, unless you have a bad marriage, that might be the case. If just, I'm glad you're here. We're going to talk about that. But I'm saying like when you don't have kids, you don't have to worry uh, about that stuff. But if you take your kids with you, like it is chaos waiting to happen. Yeah. That, and that's just, that's just taking like your kids, like don't even get me started on bedtime. <laughs> bedtime is a whole process. I mean, you got bath time, you, 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 you've got brushing the teeth, you've got pajamas, you, you've got the snack, you've got story time. Inevitably, at some point in that process, somebody's gonna end up running around the house naked. And it's not me and Marissa. Like, like we have kids, like, like we don't have energy anymore to run around the house naked. We used to run around the house naked, but now that we have kids, it's like, who has time for that? I'm just saying, it's a crazy thing when you have kids and they say children are a blessing, but it can feel like a burden. And just because something isn't a burden doesn't mean it can't feel like a burden. It's not just kids. I mean, any relationship that God brings into your life that's a blessing, it can feel burdensome because blessings and burdens are both heavy. And they're both, I mean, think about your marriage if you're married. Like how that thing that you were praying for, that thing that you were seeking God about, that, that thing that you were asking God for quickly becomes the thing that you're complaining about. 
I mean, all it takes is to get a couple years into it. And that person that you used to think was crazy beautiful, now you just think they're crazy. It's like, it's like I, I didn't ask for this. What, how did I get into this situation? But from my experience, it usually happens about the time that blessing becomes inconvenient. Like for me, it might be the case that it's happening whenever I want a peaceful meal or I just want some peace and quiet at my house. But you know, for you, it could be any number of things. I mean, you could have a great boss. You could be doing your dream job. But the moment your boss asks you to do something that you didn't plan for, all of a sudden now your boss is a jerk. I mean, you could have amazing parents who care about you, who provide for you, who've done a lot for you. But the moment they begin to set some boundaries that you don't agree with, well, now all of a sudden like, they're unreasonable. They don't understand. They're unfair. Uh, the, the moment blessings become inconvenient, we turn them into burdens. And I'm not sure what it might be in your relationship and what relationship you could apply this to, but my guess is that it's happened to you in some capacity. That's what's so interesting about this story in Luke because Luke is giving us some perspective on why it's so easy to be ungrateful in our relationships. And he also gives us some things that we can do to begin to practice gratitude in our lives. Because see, a lot of us, we feel stuck in our relationships. We feel like, you know, it's not that things are so bad, like I'm willing to call it quits. Like it's not that things are so bad that I'm trying to get out of this thing. It's just, we're not moving forward. I don't see things improving. We're not getting better. You're just existing in this kind of middle space. And that's the thing that jumped out to me about this passage when I first started reading it is because the setting is so specific. It says that as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. In other words, this encounter happens in kind of a middle space. This happens in a place between borders where Luke is setting up the scene for us. He, he wants us to know that where this is happening, it's a place where we should expect tension and arguments because anytime there's not clear boundaries in a relationship, anytime there's not clear roles in a relationship, anytime there's not clear responsibilities in a relationship, you can expect the stress and the strain of existing in that space to manifest. Well, that's where these men were living. They were living in this place. It's kind of a no man's land. They were living in limbo, between borders. The best way to describe it, you could say they were living on edge. And Luke tells us that they had this disease called leprosy. Now, you probably heard of leprosy before. Lots of times when we think about leprosy, we think about it as a skin disease, something that exists on the surface. But the truth is, leprosy really wasn't a skin disease. Leprosy was a nerve disease. It would affect your nerves. And what would happen is you would contract this infection, this bacteria, and it eat away at your skin, yes, but what it would do is it would dull your nerves so that you couldn't feel anymore. And as you couldn't feel the bacteria, as it ate away your skin, you'd lose, you'd lose fingers and ears and just different appendages, all because you couldn't feel. Now, the crazy thing about leprosy is that it wouldn't kill you. You would just kind of exist, but it would never end either. 
you always kind of stay in this state of decay, of deterioration. All because you lost your ability to feel. And I don't know if that describes the relationship that you want to see improved in your life. Because last week I asked you to, to really be thinking about that relationship that you want to see get better. That relationship that you want to see improve. But I can tell you that I know a lot of people will cut themselves off from the hope of a relationship ever getting better. They'll just exist in this state of deterioration, all because they allowed offense to take root in their life. They got infected with an offense. And it wasn't just how it affected them physically. I mean, the emotional pain of this was probably even more severe because you see, you think about it, most of the time you contract a disease, you've got your friends and family, you've got your loved ones around you to care for you. But with leprosy, when you would get that, you would actually be excommunicated from your family. You, you, you couldn't live around because you didn't want them to get the disease. It, it, was this, it was this sickness, this disease, that would keep you distant from your relationships. You see it in the text where it says, as he was going into the village, these men with leprosy met him and they had to stand at a distance. This condition that they were living with that was eating away at them from the inside was also the thing that kept them at a distance. And I'm taking a while to set this up because I think it's a picture of that thing that separates most of us in our relationships. We've allowed something to take root in our lives that has kept us from intimacy, kept us from getting close. It's eating away at us from the inside. It's causing us to live in this place, this limbo, where we're not getting better. We're just existing with what is. And I want you to see this because I want you to see how powerful gratitude is because once Jesus heals these men, I want you to see how it changes their situation. And that they're no longer living in this place of stress and tension. They're no longer devoid of feeling in their lives. They no longer have to stay detached from their relationships. And it's not just these details I see in this story that relate to our relationships, but See, one thing you got to understand with me is like, I'm one of those guys that believes that everything in the Bible is there by design. Like the, the words it uses, the language it uses, the, the punctuation, the way things are written, the details that are in there and the details it leaves out. I, I think it's all there by design. And that's what was so fascinating as I was reading this, because it's not just what happens in the story. It's really what happens before Jesus ever gets to this area. Because before Jesus even gets to this area, this land between borders, which, by the way, was out of the way of where he was going. He was headed to Jerusalem because he knew that the cross was before him. But he makes this detour. He goes out of his way to reach some people. And Jesus still goes out of his way to reach people today. I don't know what brought you in here. You may think it's just a fluke happenstance that you're here. But I believe Jesus may even be going out of his way today to speak to the relationships in your life. He goes out of his way and right before he gets to this place and we get this great lesson on gratitude. There's something that happens before that I thought was really interesting. He confronts his disciples on an attitude they had. He confronts his disciples on a wrong expectation. He confronts his disciples on this issue of entitlement. You can see it in verse 10. He says, does the servant get special thanks for doing what's expected of him? He's talking to his disciples. It's the same with you. When you've done everything expected of you, be matter of fact and say, the work is done. 
What we were told to do, we did. The reason he confronts this issue of entitlement, this is the first thing I wanna give you, is because gratitude starts when entitlement stops. See, before you can really have gratitude in your life, you have to deal with this issue of entitlement. This attitude that I have something that's owed to me. Now I recognize like this is not a popular thing to talk about because we know we have rights. Like we know like we go into a relationship with this idea that we're gonna have some needs being met. And that's not a bad thing in and of itself. That's part of God's design for relationship. He brings people into your life to meet some of your deepest needs. That's by God's design. But I'm telling you that if you want to practice relationships and the way God sets forth, you have to deal with this mindset of entitlement. You'll never be grateful as long as you think you're entitled to something. And the reason Jesus can say this is because this is what he modeled for us. Paul writes about it in Philippians chapter two. He he says that, in your relationships, you should take this same mindset and this same attitude that is evident in Christ. Well, what was it? That though he was God and is equal with God in every single way, he didn't come to earth and hold on to his God status in terms of how he approached people. It says that he took on the form of a servant and he humbled himself. He, he, he made it his aim to serve others. And Paul says, this is how you should relate to others. If Paul was writing it today, he might say, you know what, in your relationship, be humble and sit down. That's all you need to know. And so within that, he, he says, you have to approach your relationships like this. Now, I, I know, like, it seems common sense. Uh, when you make a decision to follow Christ, to give your life to Christ. It goes without saying that our aim is to be more like Jesus, right? We, we should love like Jesus, we should give like Jesus, you know, we, should, we should have faith like Jesus, pray like Jesus. But when you get to this, this thought of serve like Jesus, I don't, I don't know if that one's for me. I, I, I would prefer like, you know, I've, I've got some rights. And look, I, I get, we live in a country that grants us rights, and that's amazing. And I also understand like there's been a number of people whose rights have been oppressed by injustices in the world and still are being oppressed. I think part of the role of the church is to speak up for the rights of others. But what I'm saying is, in the context of your relationships, your role is to lay down your rights. In the context of your relationships, you're to take on this, this attitude of a servant. I'm not saying you need to be a doormat. You're gonna get a great message next week on how to deal with the difficult people in your life and, and when there's time to create some boundaries and create some space. But this is what I am saying, to keep a high sense of gratitude, you've gotta keep a low sense of entitlement because you'll never be grateful for something you feel entitled to. You'll never be grateful for something that you feel is owed to you. You'll never be grateful when you think like, I deserve this. When you approach relationships, you gotta approach it from this standpoint, not what can I get out of it, but what can I put into it? 
that, that, that's our model for relationship. It, it's a completely different lens to look at the relationships in your life. And it's not an easy one. Sounds good, but it's a challenge because most of us approach our relationships trying to control it, trying to force our way into it, trying to manipulate things that will make it better for us. And what we see in this text is that your gratitude is really not based off your situation. Your situation doesn't have to get better for your gratitude to grow. I can show you that because what we see is that these lepers, all 10 of them had the same situation. All 10 of them got healed. All 10 of them were made well. But only one of them came back and showed gratitude. So that tells me that your situation doesn't have to get better for your gratitude to increase. It's nice when it does, but you don't have to wait for it to get better for your gratitude to grow. So stop thinking of gratitude as a byproduct of your circumstances. Because some of you are approach like, well, hey, this is great, but I don't really have a reason to be grateful. They haven't done anything for me yet. I'm telling you, it's, it's all in how you look at it. But here's what I want to tell you. Once you understand that it's you got to stop with the entitlement before you can start with gratitude. I want to tell you that gratitude will always show up and always speak up. When you're grateful for something, it will always find a way to show up and you'll always speak up. There's no such thing as silent gratitude. I know sometimes we use that expression like with silent gratitude in our hearts, but can I tell you, when you're truly grateful, you'll find a way to show it or say it. I don't know if some of you are like, well, hey, that's great for you, but you got to understand, Pastor, like, like, that's not me. Like, you know, that's just not my person. I'm not real expressive. I'm not real exuberant. And I get, hey, we all have different personalities. Some of us are good with words. Some of us, it's harder than others. But what I want you to see is that it's not gratitude if it's not expressed. If you really feel something in your heart, it's gonna find a way to come out. Scripture talks about the out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you have a heart full of gratitude for that person in your life or for the things that God is doing in your life, you will find a way to express it. And you see that in this text because it says one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. Now, we don't really know why the others didn't come back. You know, there's some things that we could guess at. But one thing we do know is what caused the Samaritan to return. It says that when he saw that he was healed. And, and, and I know some of you think like, yeah, this is all great. Should be more grateful. I get it, but... I don't have a reason to be grateful. Like I'll start being grateful when they start doing something for me. I'll start being grateful when they give me a reason. But what we see is that the thing that caused him to come back and express his gratitude was what he saw. It says that he was on his way back and when he saw he was healed. In other words, what did he do? He had to look for it. And here's what I need you to see is that you're gonna see what you search for. Anybody ever bought anything off Amazon? Anybody? 
Okay, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, there's this thing called the internet. And uh, they sell stuff on there. But you know, like, sometimes you buy stuff off Amazon and you type something in. And at least in my case, like for the next three weeks of my life, Google thinks that I need about five more of those because every website I visit, it keeps showing up. Oh, you want some more spandex tablecloths for, no, I don't. That was like a one-time purchase back in, you know, 2015, but you still think I want those. It's the same thing with our brain is you see what you search for. This guy, he was walking along and he had this thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to check and just, he, he told me to go to the priest. I know the reason to go to the priest is because the priest is the only one who can really definitively declare that I'm cleansed. Well, you know, I'm, that, that, that spot's healed. And he probably like checks some of his other, that, that's healed. He, he looks for it. And your brain is the same way, is that if you want to be proven right about something, you're gonna be proven right. Like if you think that they don't care about you and they treat you like crap and, and, and they don't love you, you are going to find all the different ways to prove yourself right. But if you begin to look and say, you know what? Man, that's, man, I'm start, starting to check. You, you're gonna begin to see, man, this person does love me. This, I have a reason to be grateful. It's kind of like in, in our relationship, uh, one of the things my wife does for me, and, and it's important that you, like, I didn't, this is not an expectation of mine. I didn't ask her to do this. is something she's taken upon herself. But like in our house, my wife does our laundry. I do other things. I have other responsibilities, but in our house, she does the laundry. And, and um, typically like Saturday is a big laundry day for us, you know, throughout the week. But Saturday we get like most of it clean and and uh, she'll, she'll be doing all these, all, all these loads. And sometimes she starts early, sometimes she starts late. And depending on, you know, what's going on, sometimes my clothes might get left to the end. And it's a little bit of a big deal because, you know, I need to have clothes to wear on, on Sunday. And let's face it, most of you silently judge me for the clothes that I wear anyway. So um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about, all right, I, I got to have some stuff to wear. And, and it's happened before on occasion that, Sometimes the things that I'm planning on wearing, she doesn't get those clean in time. Now, I could look at that and be like, what is wrong with you? Like, can you not prioritize? Like, this is what I do for a living. I, like, we already talked about you own nine-tenths of the closet. You could at least make the one-tenth of closet that, like, make sure I have clean clothes to wear. And I could think, man, she doesn't care. Give me a reason to be grateful. Why don't you start doing Or I could look at, man, for the last 14 years of my life, I haven't even done laundry. I should probably, I should probably find some things to be grateful. It's all about you're going to see what you search for. And I know some of you are like, well, oh my gosh, big deal. Like fighting over laundry. Why don't you give me, come to me when you got some real problems, pastor. Can I just tell you, I'm, I'm saying that on purpose because you got to start with small things. The truth is, the relationships in our life, the tensions that we have, they're all over small things. They're, they're all over these little issues. And if you wanna start showing some gratitude, you gotta start with some small areas. It's easy to be grateful for the big things, but gratitude really shows up when, you, when it shows up in, in small areas. And I, I don't wanna just be 
you know, feel more gratitude in my heart. I want to start demonstrating it. I, I want to find the things that the relationships in my life, things people have done and have consistently done for a long, and I want to make sure I'm expressing gratitude in a fresh way. I don't want it to become stale. And I don't want to wait for somebody else to start telling me that my situation is blessed. I want to see it for myself and be grateful. You know, I think that's why these other nine didn't come back. I mean, it's just a theory, but I, I, I think it's sound. Because you see, these other nine got healed just like this one did. But they were waiting on someone else to validate their situation. That's why they went to the priest. He was the only one who could declare them cleansed. They were waiting on somebody else to say, you know what, you have a good thing going on. But I, I don't want to wait for somebody else to point out the good things in my life. I want to see it for myself. I don't need somebody to say, man, you're, you're blessed. I, I want to declare that. In fact, one of the, because do you ever notice like, sometimes we only say something when things go wrong? I mean, at least that's the way I'm wired. We just come to expect the good things in our life. And that's when somebody falls short of our expectations, that's when we begin to speak up. That's why one of the best disciplines I've built in my life, and I started this last year, was really just journaling every day and thanking God for the good things in my life. Every day, I write something down that I wanna remember, and every day I write things down that I'm thankful for. And I'm not under the illusion that my life is perfect, but you know what I've learned? Is that I get to decide how I remember it. The things that happen in my life, I can choose, man, there are some good things that have happened today, and I wanna remember the good things. I wanna be thankful, I wanna practice gratitude. And what I realize is I have a lot to be grateful for. And the truth is, if we really understood what God has done for us through Christ, man, we would be grateful. Because anything short of death and anything sh short of hell is a reason to be grateful. But I think I found a reason why we don't. And I, I see it here in this story. Because Jesus says to him in verse 18, he says, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. Now, when something's foreign, it carries with it this idea that it's unfamiliar or it's not common. And I wonder if the reason he singles out this foreigner is because he wasn't so accustomed. Like, like, like these guys, they, they were headed to the priest because that's, that's what they knew. But, but for him, it was not something that he was accustomed to. And I wonder if the reason we struggle to express gratitude is because we've become too familiar with the good things of God that surround us. You know, that's why we talk about honor at our church, because honor helps you cultivate gratitude in your life. Well, what you're doing when you honor something is, is, is you are saying, I'm not gonna treat as common the gift that God has placed in my life. And the great thing about honor is you don't have to wait for, that, that's a decision you can make. So it's so important that you don't treat these things just common and just take them for granted, but instead you show some gratitude. And here's the last thing I wanna tell you about this, is that gratitude isn't an obligation, it's an opportunity. Gratitude isn't an obligation, it's an opportunity. 
gratitude is essential, but it's not an obligation. And I see that here because all 10 of these lepers got healed. All 10 of them had their situation changed. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say, okay, you won that came back. You're the only one that's really gonna get to stay this way. I was testing them. You know, they didn't show any gratitude. They're gonna be in for a surprise once they go to the priest. But you, because you showed gratitude, you're gonna get to keep it. But see, a lot of us, that's how we approach gratitude as something that we ought to do. I, I know I should be more thankful. I, I, I know I should write those thank you cards. Man, that, that person has done so much for me. I, I know I should send them a text and let them know how they've made a difference. Man, the, the, I know I should do this, but what I'm hoping to see is that gratitude, it's not something that you should do. It's something that we get to do. It, it's really an opportunity. And as I was preparing this message, I just made a list of like, 10 different things that gratitude does for us that it unlocks in our heart. But rather than give you that list, because I don't have time for all of that, I wanna show you what I think is probably the best picture and it's right in this text. Because this leper came back to thank Jesus for what he'd done. And what's fascinating is what Jesus says to him. I don't know if you noticed it, but in verse 17, he says, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now see, that's confusing to me. Why would he say, rise and go, your faith has made you well? I mean, I thought all of them were cleansed. What was significant about him coming back? But then I started doing some study and here's what I discovered. Within this passage, Jesus uses two different words. He uses the word cleansed and he uses the word well. They're two different Greek words. That, that word cleansed, what that really means to make clean, to be free from defilement. But that word well is a completely different word. That, that word well is the Greek word sozo. That's where we get the term salvation from. And what it means is, is wholeness. And so what you see is that nine of them got healed, but one of them was made whole. Now, I don't know what that means. It could mean a lot of different things. It could mean that, you know, this was a Samaritan, that, that he received salvation, that he got something that wasn't even promised to him because scripture says that salvation was for the Jews. That's, that's what they were accustomed to. But Maybe it was the fact that the other ones, that they were free, like their, their disease was, was healed. But you know, we said like leprosy, it, you lose your fingers and you lose your toes. And maybe this guy was made whole. You see, that's why I call this message, bless your heart. Because I need you to see that gratitude is not about what it does for the other person. Gratitude is about what it does in your heart. Gratitude is about what, how it changes you. And so many times we approach our relationships and we're looking to just, God, just fix it. Just make it better. And I'll start doing, I'll start being grateful when they start giving me a reason to be grateful. But gratitude is not for them. It's for you. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. You know, it's so fascinating to me that 
he came back. He said, rise and go. Your faith has made, your, made you well. I'm like, what do you mean your faith has made you well? I mean, it's not even like he prayed a great prayer or gave a great demonstration. All he did was come back and say thank you. I've heard it say that sometimes the most powerful prayer you can pray is thank you. So many times we're praying in our relationships for God to change a person and change their heart and change the situation. What would happen if the prayer that we begin to pray to God for that relationship that we're concerned about, what if we just started saying thank you? God, thank you for this person in my life. God, I'm, I'm thankful that you're using them to make me, but I'm thankful for the blessing they are. And we just practice gratitude. Because when we do that, it doesn't just fix our situation. It doesn't just heal our situation. It brings wholeness. You'll never have the complete picture like we talked about last week if gratitude is missing. 